3: Get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ballpark. TC Martin.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, we're
0: one day away from opening day, Major League Baseball. Ah, uh, yes, can hardly wait. And then the Final Four days away. Houston, what do we have in common? We got the Final Four. We got the Astros getting their rings tomorrow at home. I'll be there Friday. You gotta love it. That's what Houston has in common. Baseball, opening day. Final Four, Championship Game Monday. I'm packed. I'm ready to go.
2: Can I take off now? Is Houston the city of champions now? This is true. That's true. City of champions. And is is Texas the state of champions? I You've guess. got the women's Final Four. Yeah, that's true. In Dallas. <laughs> Glad to have you with us here on this. Wild Wednesday
0: edition of the TC Martin Show, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us. Streaming live, of course, tcmartinshow.com. Today on the program, we've got your Final Four covered, just like we have from the beginning, nonstop. Timmy Brando will join us, who has covered so many Final Fours and uh, broadcasted so many great NCAA tournaments. His time with CBS, he's moved over to Fox. Fox is still a big player, as we know in college basketball and college football. So Timmy B getting a little bit of downtime, even though he will be making the trek to Houston as well. Uh, and everybody will be there. So looking forward uh, to seeing Timmy B and our next get and our uh, guest also, uh, coming up, uh, this hour is Mike DeCourcy, the fine writer from the sporting news. And Mike DeCourcy, I believe has covered all but something like Six Final Fours or something like that. I mean, he is a staple at college basketball coverage, uh, award-winning writer for the Sporting News, been doing a long time, and always fun seeing Mike DeCoursey, uh there at courtside. So he will join us today. We'll get his thoughts and Timmy B's thoughts about the Final Four, the surprises thus far of the tournament. And again, uh, just uh, always great to tap into our coaches, our players. Our broadcasters, our writers, uh, we got it all covered for you. Chuck Esposito will join us. We'll talk to him a little bit later on in the show. Chuck over at Red Rock, the fantastic race and sports book director for the Station Casino Properties. And uh, it's been a, a great run for them during the course of this March Madness. All right, so we've got all that for you today uh, and a whole lot more. And like I said, opening day tomorrow in Houston at Minute Maid Park as the Astros will get their rings. And Bob Nightingale, our good friend for the USA Today, speaking of award-winning writers, he is going to join us uh, coming up very, very shortly here as we'll talk to him this segment regarding opening day, the many, many rule changes... And how is this really going to look once baseball fans start watching this on TV starting tomorrow and going to the ballpark as well, too? So very interested to talk to Bob regarding that because he's hung out quite a bit, doing a lot of reporting over the last few weeks in spring training, bouncing back and forth from Florida uh, to Arizona. But now it all starts for real. That's right. We are here at the end of March, 1st of April, and Major League Baseball season is here as well. So what a great time. Uh, Looking forward to a fantastic weekend coming up here uh, in Houston, where for me, I I get the best of all worlds. I get to be at the Final Four on Saturday, championship game on Monday, uh, squeeze in some Astro games this weekend as well too, on Friday and Sunday, and food.
2: You can't beat that. Not necessarily in that order, nunchuck. No, it'll be food, <laughs> final 4 Astros, final 4. Or what are you talking about? You'll go from the airport, yeah, to food.
0: I don't I tell you, I don't think I'm going to have time because you know I I've, I've got to uh, make an appearance on my very own show, you know, Friday. I don't know where we're going to be in the back of an Uber or a Lyft or That does not have to well, you happen. Know, I, I don't you know.
2: do realize this. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm dedicated. I know you're dedicated.
0: no, but yeah, I, i'll I'll get off the plane tomorrow, uh, head to the hotel. I don't think there's time for food, which is okay because I'll make sure I load up before before I leave, okay, I'll do that. but I have to have dinner at the ballpark. What's wrong with that? And then of course, oh, there's late, nothing wrong with and, that. and and then a late night meal after that. And then but you know this is messing up my dinner schedule because you got baseball on Friday evening. We've got Final Four on Friday evening, so that's that's dinner time, because that's 3 p.m. Pacific time, 5 Central there in Houston, so that means I'm going to have to settle for a media meal, and, and I hope the media meal is better than what we got last year in New Orleans.
2: Probably be about the same. So there is a new it, sandwich at minute, at, minute, at minute made
0: That sounds like breaking news. Are you kidding me? Really? Now, are, are you sure it's new?
2: It will be replaced. It, it will okay, be Okay, let's
0: hear Let's
2: hear it. Oh, there's new sandwiches, okay. fries, and sweets. Quesadilla. Cheese, chicken, and fajita beef stuffed quesadilla with classic toppings in section 132.
0: Okay, I know 132. Um,. I know exactly where. It, so, that is new. I wonder if that's replacing no because that's around section 122, uh, 124 is where they have like the nacho uh bar oh, basically yeah. and you've got all kinds, you got brisket nachos, you got pork, uh, shrimp, uh that was was pretty detailed. I think I took some pictures of that last time even though I didn't eat it. But they have all these display yeah. models out there and I think I took some pictures uh of that. But I do like a good quesadilla. They, they
2: do have a chicken parmesan sub. Now
0: that's different.
2: It is a breaded chicken, fresh marinara, mozzarella, mm-hmm. parmesan, and basil on Ambrosia on amarozia <laughs> Available at list at listella's teder tederora What is that? T a tratora trator section four twenty. Yeah,
0: that's. I don't go to
2: 420. I know you don't. It's too that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's way up there. That's too that's too that's less boozy bougie, bougie for yeah. you.
0: And they they do have a rib joint that's up there upper deck around the right field foul pole. And one of my first trips to Houston to Minute Maid Park, I made that trek just because I wanted to taste the ribs, and they were pretty good. I think I got a pulled pork sandwich up there, and it's one of the barbecue places in and around Houston. There's a couple
2: yeah. of new bars. Yeah. Sections 109, 126, 106, and a fruit cart in section 129.
0: Really? I'm close to 129. Really?
2: A fruit cart.
0: Now that I like because you know I'm a fruit guy. Yeah. As, as we well know, I'm a fruit guy. That is good. So the Astros have made some changes here. And they should. I mean, they should have... I'm not going to say that their their food options are bad because they're not. They're they're not at all. But when you have the owner, in Jim Crane, who right across the street has two fantastic restaurants, you would think that okay, you'd have some of these delicacies within the park right there. And Minute Maid Park does have some good stuff. Now, they do have the hot dog, as you well know, and it's the Nolan Ryan beef, yep. which I do like. And you know, Nolan has his own cattle ranch out there, the Astro Legend. One of the greatest baseball pitchers of all time. So their dogs are good. Um the the nachos are like I said, they, they get a little bougie, you know, with that stuff. But no, I, I, I do like the food options at miname Maybe not as much as I like it, maybe at some other parks. So it sounds like you've given me some very good options for dinner Friday
3: night.
2: There you go. The chicken, where where do I find the chicken? Four twenty. That's f- I you get, have to I go, gotta go to, to 420. No. Go 4, no, I would go to 420 for that before the game. Go walk up before a game. Get it. I might give that a shot. That fruit cart's got me going, though. That, that's good. That's something you can just, the that, whole game... Oh well,
0: yeah, yeah. That That's a fifth inning thing. Yeah. That's a fifth inning thing. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a creature of habit, so I have to have my dog or that meal, you know, right before the national anthem. Right before it. That's why I got to have it, so... Good stuff. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, again, there will be plenty of pictures that will be posted uh, for my uh, trip uh, to Houston. But, uh, yes, the the Astros, fresh off of their World Series victory. And um, it's going to be a busy weekend there. Because NRG Stadium and Minute Maid Park, they're about 15 minutes apart. So you have the downtown area. you got the convention center. I know – Again, a lot of people are staying downtown by the convention area, and again, these novices like TJ Reeves are panicking. You know, thinking that they need to get to the stadium, you know, two hours in advance, or they're going to miss opening tip-off. That's nonsense. You Not, know, you know they Houston does have a good idea, and when you put in stadiums, you usually have infrastructure with the roadways and this that. They know what they're doing. I mean, Reeves act, acts like you're driving down a dirt road and these guys have like no clue. Why do you think they have it there? And they've had these major events in Houston many times. It's not that bad.
2: I'm telling you. It's like you've been there before. Yes. You know? Yes. It's not your first rodeo. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: So there you have it. All right. Um, yeah, we'll talk some baseball today. We'll talk Final Four. That and a whole lot more uh, coming your way. And then uh, remember... The schedule, once again, for this week, uh, Scott Spreitzer and Marco D'Angelo will be in for me on Friday at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the uh, Superbook. So they will be co-hosting and uh, they'll have some great guests on tap as well, of course. Uh, John Murray will be joining them as well too. the executive director of the super book, uh, tomorrow's show. Uh, Jay Cornegay will be joining me as I uh, will get his thoughts where the money is moving and going in relationship to, uh, the final four games on Saturday and the futures liability that, uh, the Superbook has uh, as well too. So we've got all that going. So remember, that's the schedule for Friday. Uh, Monday, uh, we'll be doing the show from Houston. So we look forward to that. And then uh, Tuesday will be a travel day for me. So we'll be back here on uh, on Wednesday. So yeah, looking forward to a uh, very good week uh, ahead, especially in Houston and bringing you all that coverage and continuing on with our our great guests and and all that. All right, um, some news today coming out of uh the NFL from a, a gambling perspective here, that the NFL, you know, the owners' meetings are going on as we speak here uh in Phoenix, Arizona. And what is uh the transpiring is that the NFL has okayed the uh, sports books to be operating inside four venues. So for the Washington commanders, the Arizona Cardinals, the New York jets and the New York giants. Now they have books that are either in their stadium or adjacent to it. And uh, they're totally fine with, you know, gaming uh, being done in those venues. Now, in the Commanders Stadium, still is difficult to say that the Commanders, um, they actually have a sports book in the actual stadium. Same thing at State Farm Stadium in Arizona; they have it in the stadium. Now, at the Meadowlands, where the Jets and the Giants play, it's adjacent, but it's right there in the parking lot that you can go and you can make your wagers there. Um, but the NFL said that uh with states having gambling having sports betting that uh, they are open to having more of these venues having sports books inside them now the big question was well what about Legion stadium you think okay well las vegas <laughs> obviously the gaming capital of the world and you got this beautiful shiny stadium how come there are no sports books even though that the Allegiant Stadium and the Raiders have deals with BetMGM and Caesars. But it is actually in the agreement between the Raiders and Allegiant Stadium that they cannot operate a sports book inside Allegiant Stadium, which seems a little strange. But I think this was put in place before gambling was, uh, sports betting was uh, accepted in many of these other states. And when they were constructing the stadium, they said, well, you know, let's just lay off of that. You know, we're we're getting this from the NFL um that we're not sure that we want to ruffle any feathers. Well, who would have known that, you know, three, four years later, after the construction of a Legion Stadium, that now it's acceptable and you actually are having sports books inside these venues. But uh it would make a lot of sense for fans to be able to have kiosks, you know, right there, uh, inside Allegiant stadium while they're watching a football game. But, uh, that will not happen unless that gets amended. And I think the NFL would be totally fine with that. And how crazy is that? What we're saying here, they'd be totally fine with it. Where before, heck, we can't even have a professional sports team, you know, in Las Vegas. We can't have that at all. Now, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, well, we got it in four other venues, How come you guys don't have it at Allegiant Stadium? (laughs) So it's just funny how all of that has changed over time. But yeah, that is uh, your news from the NFL today, that uh, you have uh, legalized sports books in four venues. And the big question is, will it be coming to Allegiant Stadium anytime soon? As of... Now the answer is no. All right. So, again, uh, working our way towards Houston uh, with the Final Four this weekend and, of course, opening day in Major League Baseball. Let's touch on that with our good friend Bob Nightingale. Of course, does a fantastic job with the USA Today, and uh I believe he already has boots in Houston as we speak. What's going on, Bob?
3: Yeah, all set in Houston. Got here yesterday for the uh, exhibition game, and, White Sox work out today and, of course, the big season opener uh, tomorrow where they drop the uh, championship flag.
0: It is uh, the championship flag, uh, Astros getting their rings. Now, have you got an early sneak peek of the investigative reporter that you are of the Astros' rings?
3: No, I haven't seen the rings yet. Uh, I've seen the uh, championship banner. Uh-huh. I mean the two thousand twenty two banner. Okay. But I haven't seen the rings. Nobody's walking around. nobody's <laughs> rocking around uh, the stadium with those yet. <laughs>
0: no sneak no sneak peek with that, huh? Okay. That's that's good. <laughs> um so you saw the actually the Sugarland Space Cowboys yesterday, huh?
3: Yeah. The uh <laughs> you know, Forrest Whitley, their top, top prospect from years ago. Actually pitching, the best he had looked in a long, long time. Uh-huh. But a uh but yeah, just a uh Good thing to kick off and everything else and uh now we'll uh we'll see. I and mean, I think the Astros are gonna to have to use have to use some of that depth.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. So, I mean, how was the crowd for that when you, you're playing your minor league team? And I thought it was kind of cool that the Astros went to Sugarland and they they played at their home park on Monday, and then the uh the Sugarland team gets to actually play at Minute Maid Park and did, uh, did did dusty put out like a a lineup for the first two or three innings or is 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 he resting guys because pretty much i mean the the sugarland team or a, a lot of the guys that were in spring training down in florida with the astros right
3: yeah so they uh no they played uh, uh two three at bats you know got to the sixth inning and uh yeah all set to go of course they had the day off today mm-hmm. And uh, you know they're already. I mean, obviously they wish she had all two. They wish he had Michael Brantley. Uh, they'll, go, they'll go with what they got. It should be a uh, a front a uh, fun AL West uh, race. You know, it's like Dusty and the uh, GM Dana Brown said. All the teams in the AL West have gotten better, and they're all. Uh, a more confident team as well.
0: Yeah, no no question about that and when you look at the AL West, I mean, I know Seattle's going to be kind of a sexy pick and uh I know our our good friend Chris Bosio had uh called me last night, uh Bob, you'll get a kick out of this and he goes, "Hey, if uh if I send you some money, I I'd like uh like you to put some money on the Angels for me to win it all." And I go, "What? I go, hey, you're the pitching coach. You're the pitcher. You realize that pitching staff hasn't gotten any better. And he goes, what's the odds on them? I go, 40 to one. He goes, give me that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, boss, if you want to send me the money, I'll go ahead and put it down. But – uh uh, can you believe that? The, the, and they're this is kind of a popular pick, Bob, that, that people are thinking that the Angels, you know, they're not winning that division. Okay. Maybe could they sneak in as a wild card? But yeah, you got Otani, you got Trout, but you've had Otani and Trout for years now, and, and the Angels still haven't been above five hundred.
3: Yeah, exactly. I don't know why people jumping on board And boring. They are a deeper team when you talk to uh you know uh, G.M.s and scouts and stuff like that—a deeper team. They've always had the talent, but never a—you uh, know—never really put together. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I mean, Anthony Rendon's got to stay healthy for once, I and mean, a lot of things that got to go right for them to sneak in as a wild card team. You know, I can't see any way they win the division, mm-hmm. you know, but could they surprise them and make the playoffs? Yeah, they could.
0: Bob Nightingale joins us, USA Today. He is in Houston, get ready for Opening Day uh, tomorrow. Okay, Bob, the new rules—we got to talk about it. All right, so the pitch clock. Um, you've been to spring training, you've seen, uh, this action. what does it look like? What does it feel like, uh, during these spring training games?
3: Yeah, it's uh, been pretty smooth. I mean, the game pace is good. Uh, some of the games in spring training actually went too fast. It's like, wow. You know, some of these fans want to sit in the sun, you know, take their shirts off and grab a few pops. And uh, before you know it, you know, they're standing in concession line and the, game, the game's over. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so But, yeah, it went, it went smooth and uh, it doesn't seem out of place or anything like that. Uh, it just takes a lot of the dead time away. So it should work. My only real question is come uh, late September, particularly the playoffs, as you saw the WBC, do you really want a pitch clock involved? You know, don't, don't you want to have the momentum build, guys catch their breath, you know, that sort of thing?
0: Was there any talk about just utilizing this for the regular season and just, okay, when it comes time to postseason, let's go back uh, to to normal because of the the exact thing that you said? I mean, again, you're talking about, you know, I don't think anybody who's watching that really minds and they understand that, okay, these pitchers or these hitters, they might need that that extra time.
3: Yeah, I mean there was talk about when the players like, oh man, the postseason, you know, really? But then at the WBC I can't tell you how many people say, Man, I miss I miss the pitch clock. These <laughs> games are great, but they're so long. Hmm. And uh it came up time and time again. Uh even from some baseball players, former baseball players said, Man, I miss the pitch clock. I want these games to go quicker. I don't want them to last four hours. Hmm. So that's why I you'll still have a pitch clock in the postseason. But maybe they'll relax the rules a little bit.
0: So, how are the players and managers reacting to this during spring training?
3: Been uh, pretty smooth, you know. I'm sure people have got some found some loopholes that they're saving for the season, particularly in the running game, that sort of thing. Uh, pitchers can, you know, have said, "Yeah, I can play some games here, hold the ball, uh, deliver it when I want." You know, maybe I'll take a uh, an automatic strike here at O two that way I can hold the ball for 30 seconds. They have no idea when the ball's coming, you know, that sort of thing. So I think we'll see some gamesmanship for sure.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you that, you know, are there ways to maybe circumvent this, like, you know, a batter getting in the box or a pitcher wanting more time to gather his thoughts. You just figure there are going to be things of that nature that are, are going to be played out. Like you said, via gamesmanship.
3: Yeah, there will be in the, uh, Uh, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure guys like Buck Showalter have figured things out. Like, I can do this. Some veteran pitchers like Scherzer and Berliner will say, okay, I I got him right here. But I think we'll, you know, I think we'll see more pitchers than we think take that automatic uh, ball and say, you know what, I'd rather uh, take my time here and then, uh, you know, get a ball running. Hurry up and throw some lousy pitch, and the guy's seen the ball over the fence.
0: So we know that uh, we have they have now outlawed the shift, so to speak, right? No more three infielders on one side. What what is the take on that? And again, I, I would imagine there's probably some ways to circumvent that as well, too.
3: Yeah, I mean, now you can. Um, you saw the Red Sox do it against Joey Gallo. Uh, you know, brought in the extra outfielder. Played him in short right fields. You still had a you saw the shift, but just two outfielders. So we'll see that. I don't think the shift will have uh, that big a, a effect on offense. Uh, we didn't see in the minor leagues. We really didn't see it in spring training. So uh, yeah, I think it helps some of the left-handed hitters, but I don't, I don't think a ton because even though you know you you don't can't have a uh, shift, you can still – you know, put a guy, you know, where you want him at second base and not have the first baseman move over, you know, how you want, that sort of thing. So, but I, I do think we'll see more athleticism now. You know, it's used to always joke that, thank God the ship was around when a guy like Ozzy Smith played, that somebody would have been like four feet to his left, three feet to his right. We would have no idea he had that kind of, uh, you know, athleticism.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny because Major League Baseball, they want to speed up the game. They want to, you know, do all of these things. And granted, it's shaved off 25, 26 minutes during these spring training games. And we saw that, uh, in the minor leagues last year. But when you look at the numbers so far, Bob, during spring training here, uh, eliminating the shift, they wanted to increase the batting average, increase runs and all this other kind of stuff. I believe the numbers were, okay, well, spring training, the average, Batting average is went, is went from 247 to f- 249. There's nothing, uh, really uh, major there. And then with, you know, now in, uh, instituting the pizza box, uh, bases. So, you know, you've got what, uh, f- three inches bigger. It's going to increase the run game and more stolen bases. You really didn't see that, uh, during spring training here. So is a lot of this type of stuff aside from the pitch clock just kind of. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, like, uh, you know, um, just, you know, showcasing, dan- you know, uh, window dressing. Is it just window dressing or is there something to this?
3: Well, I mean, we did see the game and the biggest change was just the game times, you know, yeah. saving 25 minutes off games. That was a big thing. You're right. i like I said, offensively, I don't think it's make a difference. Now, I do think we'll see more stolen bases. I do see that. I mean, no one's going to be stealing bases in spring training. It's like, you know, why why, why get hurt or why yeah. be that aggressive in spring? So I, I do think we'll see more stolen bases. Mm-hmm. But uh, offensive-wise, you know, I don't think we're going to start seeing, you know, batting averages going 10 points. I don't think we're going to see, you know, Joey Gallo turning up Tony Gwynn, or anything like that.
0: Hmm. Who have you got a chance to see this spring?
3: Um, pretty much everybody in the Cactus League and, then of course, all the, uh, uh, the players in the, in the WBC. So you saw know, so quite a bit, and uh, yeah, there's teams like people sleep on them. I, mean, I like I like Cleveland Guardians a lot. You know, nice young athletic team. It's be very interesting to see uh, what they do. I think people are kind of sleeping on them. When you talk about Bosa putting their money down, it's like okay, I can put my money down on somebody. Yeah, might be might be the Guardians.
0: <laughs> and I know you uh, visited Terry Francona. I read your your article regarding him. Uh, Terry Francona's had a pretty rough spring, huh?
3: Yeah, I mean, at least now he's finally healthy. I mean, yeah. he, I mean, he, he did have a rough spring, yeah, with the with the tooth, uh, losing his car keys, and uh, everything else. But at least finally, the guy is healthy and showing some energy. So, I mean, he's the type of guy that can laugh things off. A great guy, obviously a Hall of Fame manager. So we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people, you know, root for uh, Cleveland just because of Frangona. and the reason you know people root for Houston because of Dusty Baker, you know, that sort of thing. But you know, people. People love to see Cleveland you know, win a World Series after 75 years. It's been a long time.
0: Yeah. All right, Bob, uh, who do you got? Yeah, let's go division by division. Let's start in the American League. Uh, tell us who you like and why.
3: Yeah, American League, I'm going to go Cleveland. Uh, youngest team in baseball last year, great young pitching staff. Now they just lost Tristan McKenzie. That's a, uh, a big blow for, for a couple months. There's uh, no reason why they can't do repeats in the AL Central you know uh a l east i'll take I'll take Toronto to win the east you know with the uh the Tampa Bay Rays and Yankees as a wild card team and same thing in the west I'll take Houston to win the division again in Seattle so really the uh I like the six same six teams as as a year ago yeah. uh in the American League you know nationally I think it might be the same thing, too I still think Atlanta's the cream of the crop and the uh a l East. I think Phillies are right behind them I think the Mets are a little overrated. I think the Mets will finish third in that division. Uh, St. Louis is still the best team in the Central. And then, you know, in the West, I I, I think the Padres, you know, finally for the first time since 2006, win that division, and they win it over the Dodgers, but the Dodgers still make the playoffs. Mm
0: -hmm. You've been covering this uh, a long time, and I know you've been a big baseball fan your entire life. Uh, Best thing for you for opening day? What's the best part for you?
3: Uh, just a pageantry. Uh, I don't think I've been, of uh, all my years doing this, uh, I don't think I've been, ever been to Houston for a uh, for a season opener. Oh. So you know that'll be fun to, to see that. Uh, some of these teams really stand out. I mean, St. Louis the Clydesdales, that's awesome. Uh, Fenway Park, Yankee Stadium, uh, you know, are terrific. Uh you know, some of these places are just special that they, they really do it right. And, of course, you know, Cincinnati, with all its tradition, you know, back when Cincinnati had the only – when they had the season opener, everybody else played the next day. So, you know, this is the first time since 1968 all uh, every team will be playing on, on opening day the same uh, same day.
0: Yeah, that is fantastic. All right, we can hardly wait to, to see opening day and the opening weekend uh, games. Baseball is back. The rules are going to, uh, challenges, I think a little bit in the beginning, but like we've talked about before, I think over time, we, everyone is going to get used to this, but, uh, you know, looking forward to it, my friend. So hopefully again, our our paths cross. I know that you're in Houston, uh, you know, for the next few days, uh, hopefully, uh, you hang around long enough, uh, where I can get a chance to see you because, uh, yeah, I'll be at uh, a minute made myself on, on Friday and uh, probably Sunday and then squeeze in the final four. I mean, you're getting out of town, like you said before, uh, before the big crowds come.
3: Yeah, it is strange here. Uh, I mean, uh, random a few people that are involved in the tournament says it's the worst ticket sales of all time for the final four. There's yeah. so little interest in town. Uh, they can't get, they can't get people to come to the games. The ticket prices are plummeting. Uh, the women's games now are five times the price. So yeah, uh, I know a lot of people were supposed to come to town, but, yeah, the buzz isn't nearly what you think.
0: Yeah, and uh, we were talking about that the last couple days, just kind of figured that when you have – you know Florida Atlantic and San Diego State and you know Yukon and Miami are, are are great teams it's not like they have these great traveling fan bases but yeah I mean, you know especially when you know last year in New Orleans when you got Kansas and you got North Carolina and you know do I mean you got those type of teams it's like wow i mean you got so many blue bloods and so i kind of figured you just kind of confirmed with me what i was thinking was was going to happen so hey that's good for me that's less traffic okay that's good, I mean, yeah, less
3: traffic and they're, yeah they are giving away tickets, so bring your yeah bring your friends, yeah okay, that's good, <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, brother, hey man, appreciate the time as always, hopefully, a good chance to see you uh on Friday and uh take care of yourself, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon,
3: okay, sounds good, take C-C-C. care, buddy,
0: all right, buddy, there he is Bob Nightingale, and I know he's already getting a head start on me with the food, and we eat a lot of the same places when we go to Houston.
2: Great stuff. He's got a picture of opening day preparations, and they're all, they're painting Minute Maid. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he, like I said, he was in the stadium yesterday and earlier uh, today as well too. So uh, one of my favorites, Bob Nightingale, um, great guy and does a fantastic job. Obviously, one of the best baseball writers uh, that we've ever. Ever read? So, appreciate him. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll keep it in the writing family, but we're going to talk about the Final Four and going to Houston again. This time, we're going to talk to Mike
2: DeCoursey from the Sporting News as
0: we break down the Final Four.
2: Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good.
0: All right, Houston, here we come. Final Four, right around the corner. Looking forward to that on Saturday Opening day, Major League Baseball, like we talked about, uh, Bob Nightingale already there. And uh, Mike DeCorsi is doing the exact same thing, getting ready for, I believe, his umpteenth Final Four. He's a staple, as we well know. Does a fantastic job writing for the uh, Sporting News. Mike, what's going on, my friend? How are you today? I'm good, my friend. I'm good. Uh, Boots on the ground already in uh, Houston for you? I am here, yes. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, so you heard me mention, I mean, you are a staple at these final fours. What is the exact number uh, as we head into th- this one for you, my friend?
1: This is my thirty third covering. Uh, this is the thirty fifth I've been to, but I was between jobs on one and i hadn't I was still covering high schools and hadn't started covering college uh-huh. basketball on the second and and sat at the up uh, at the upper deck of the Superdome in nineteen eighty seven. Watch the running rebels play the Indiana Hoosiers in one of the great games in tournament history. There you go. And yeah. and I, so I went up there last year when we were back in New Orleans, and I I, I took the escalator up and went to see what it looks like from up there and it's a better view now because they've got video boards. They didn't have them in 1987.
0: Uh, Speaking of which, so I had some people asking me about, you know, tickets and everything and they go, Hey, uh, you know, I can, I can get in there for under a hundred bucks for like 85 bucks. And I go, well, look at what section that is. And then uh, they said, Oh, that's like section 626. I go, uh, six twenty-six. You're about a mile away, and uh, the only way you're going to be watching that game is either binoculars or looking at the video boards. And they go, "Oh, well, really?"
1: <laughs> I, I will say, I will say, first of all, uh, that without la- they did have like a really bad. It was like looking at an Atari game from back in the seventies that they did have a board. It just was impossible to see anything yeah. back in eighty-seven. But I will say, I learned a lot about basketball from watching from that angle. Cause you saw everything and you saw the whole court and watching Bob Knight's offense develop in, in, you know, in being able to see the whole thing. Uh, I did learn a lot. And I would recommend the, the final four experience to anyone. Um, my, my, I, I'm not the biggest, uh, final four in Houston fan. Uh, it doesn't have quite the downtown experience that you'll get in, san antonio or indy or new orleans uh or when it ever comes to vegas uh, i guess right uh so it it has it it has it has its upsides but uh but i would the final four experience itself is worth it even if even if you have to resort to watching the video board or if you choose to try to You can see. You just have to train yourself a little bit to know what looks like a basket and what doesn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And you're right.
0: I mean, we were totally spoiled last year in New Orleans with all of – those food options and the restaurants and the bars. And again, you know, uh, bourbon street and even, you know, by where the Superdome is, uh, you know, easy getting around and, and walking to the hotel and that sort of thing. So Houston, a little bit more challenging. Um, I, I know the city pretty well because, you know, I go there quite a bit for baseball, but uh, again, I have not been to NRG stadium to watch the Texans because obviously who would do that? Right. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I was, we have this debate on the air. With uh, you know uh, your good friend T.J. Reeves and he's going, oh, it's gonna take forever to get there. Eighty thousand fans and this and that, cause I was giving him a bad time. But well, you can come do the show with me on Monday. And like he wanted to cut out an hour early, I go, dude. I go. By the time I get off the air, we got two hours to get there. You're gonna be fine. Relax. And now that I'm hearing that, you know, this is a pre- pretty easy ticket to get uh, for fans. You know, but I said this isn't Houston's first rodeo. They, they got this thing figured out. They got a, a pretty decent... <laughs> infrastructure, so yeah, it's not going to take two hours to get fifteen minutes, you know, in a car or a lift or, or especially with the, you know, uh, the metro rail
1: there in Houston. Wouldn't you agree with that, there, Mike? Well, I hope so. That's what they're telling us now. They aren't <laughs> providing um, uh, entrance transportation to get to the stadium. You yeah. got to jump on the on the on the rail. So we'll see how that goes. I have not ever been on their uh, light rail system. Uh, they, in the past, I've, I've done the, uh, the, the media shuttle thing, but that they are they will be shuttling us back because the Metro rail might not run as long as we work. Right. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, on the way out, I got to find out how it is. So I, I will, I will know better in a few days. I, I'm, I'm hopeful.
0: I want you to be the guinea pig, but before I make my way out there Saturday, Mike, uh, so you need to report back to me. You better better get out to that stadium and and test it out, you know, in the next
1: day or two. I I have two days I got to get out there, so we'll see how it goes.
0: (laughs) Mike DeCoursey joins us, covers college basketball for the sporting news, going to his 33rd Final Four. Uh, Looking forward to it. All right, Mike. So when you look at this tournament, what has been, there's been so many, you know, surprises and shockers, Uh, very little has gone as expected here. I don't know what your bracket looks like, but uh, what is the biggest surprise for you so far in the tournament?
1: Well, I was really close to having two teams in the final four. And in this, in this uh, particular season, I would have considered that a masterful triumph, but yep. uh, the Texas Longhorns did not hold up in the final 10 minutes against Miami and so I only have one I did have UConn here uh no I, I had Florida Atlantic. no I didn't yeah right. I, I did I did have UConn uh I, you know I think probably the they're they're on the on the plus side I think there have been some phenomenal games in it, and it centers around Marquise Noel I think watching him uh in this tournament I got to see him in person against Kentucky and he was phenomenal and then on television against Michigan State, and he might have even been better. It, he was just phenomenal in both games and was quite good in for the first 30, 35 minutes of the Florida Atlantic game, but that that game didn't end as well. But I think what he brought to the tournament was exactly what it needs. It would have been nice to have it here. A, a little bit of star power wouldn't have hurt this Final Four. It doesn't have much. It does have UConn uh, with... Uh, with Adama Sanogo, who's an All Big East player, that doesn't hurt. Uh, uh, they they they're looking at uh, you know not as many NBA draft picks here as you ordinarily would have. You're looking at not as many big names as you ordinarily would have. We I we I I collaborated with one of my colleagues at Sporting News. This is the first time in 25 years that there hasn't been a a, a Sporting News All American first, second, or third team. In the Final Four, the first time in 25 years that not one. Wow! And we had six in 2011. Uh, multiple members of the Baylor and, and Gonzaga teams, and then uh, uh, one player from Houston as well. Uh, but this team, this one has none. I, that's that's amazing to me. I, I I knew we were getting in that direction when Drew Timmy was facing his regional final. I knew that we were there was a possibility we'd be out of All Americans if they lost. But I did not know, uh, that, uh, that it was going, that that was the only time it had happened. Uh, so I did some research on that and I kept going back and back and back. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. The, the, I could only go as far as 98 because that was when we joined our, we were, we were promoted to, uh, the sporting news, the sporting news promoted to the NCAA consensus. Uh, four teams, uh, are, are, bl- are blended into the consensus all America put together by the NCAA. And we're one of them. And prior to that, we were not. And so the records aren't as easily found. It could be, it's even been even longer than that.
0: Yeah. And it's funny that you bring that up. That's a great stat because, you know, we know that there is the first time ever in the history. We haven't had a, a number one, two or three seed, uh, get there. But then, you know, to put in the perspective of not having the star power, you know, with any All Americans, that really kind of puts a, you know, tells you, you know, where this, th- this tournament is at. And I don't know who we blame. We blame the transfer portal. We blame parody. Uh, and that's, it's, you know, it's it's actually a good thing, I guess, to, to say, you know, instead of use the word blame that, you know, to say parody is, is, is a very good thing. But it seems like the common denominator with these teams and usually is the case. I think you'd agree, Mike, is that you have older teams here. And you know, when you look at like San Diego State who has seven seniors and you got an average age of of like, you know, you know 22, almost 23 years old, I mean, that really helps even Florida Atlantic. I mean, we see that, you know, with these teams, but um, you know, as we know. I mean, and I think that's kind of a breath of fresh air maybe for a lot of fans that you're not having the Kentuckys of the Dukes that we had, you know, a decade ago of the one and duns.
1: Yeah, I think that it's it's more than just uh, experience though it's it's the extra year of experience it it, it extends the uh the difference uh, between a freshman and a senior when the senior has an, an extra year or two in some cases i don't know that there's any sixth year players here but there have been in this in this tournament and it does extend the difference between somebody like cal filipowski or brandon miller and a guy uh From one of, you know, one of San Diego State's players, uh, uh, they have multiple guys who are, uh, who are six, who are fifth year players, I should say, excuse me. And so I think that makes a bigger difference, uh, than is typical. I, I do think that everybody keeps rushing to the, to the new wave of college athletics transfer portal, immediate eligibility and, name, image, and likeness. And what I think is the biggest difference is the one that's not permanent, not part of the uh, long-term future of college athletics, and that's the extra year of eligibility that was granted because of the COVID year.
0: Right, right. So let's break down these teams here. Uh, Florida Atlantic, talk a little bit about them, because there are still fans that really have not got a chance to see this team play. Uh, They are better than what anybody... Uh, you know, uh, you know, is probably thinking, but this team ran off what twenty in a row at one point in time uh, this year. They're on a a tremendous roll again right now. But everything that we hear about this team, uh, they're a tight knit group. They have great chemistry. They really uh spread the ball around. Uh, they spread the floor well. They can score from inside and outside. Does this team uh have a shot to continue its amazing run and get that victory against San Diego State?
1: Oh, I think absolutely they do because first of all they're not being asked they're being asked to defeat a terrific team a veteran team, the best defensive team probably in the country this year statistically, maybe just to shade off that, but practically they are uh they maybe don't have quite the dynamism that uh that some of the some of the teams that uh that, although they do have plenty they might not have quite the n b a level talent uh that might have been um you know on on some of the slightly higher rated defenses but they are as connected and as and as uh as efficient and I don't know that I can remember a team that was more difficult to drive the ball against than they are they are absolutely phenomenal at denying dribble penetration so the Florida Atlantic has to deal with all of that but they have a very productive efficient offense uh they've got legitimate talent uh Janelle Davis I think is a is a really promising player for the future a young player only a sophomore 6-4 guard has played very well in this tournament Elijah Martin his backcourt partner has been terrific as well uh and the, and the one thing that maybe uh people don't expect when they see a team that plays in a mid-major league is a 7-1 center uh, and not a skinny guy that's out there kind of just getting pushed around uh Golden is a absolutely, uh, he's a, he's a very physically powerful player who dictates, uh, a lot of what goes on in the lane, especially at the defensive end when he's out there. So they've got, they've got players that can win at this level, especially in this company. Uh, it, it's a team that definitely has a chance. I would still favor uh, the Aztecs because of how, of how difficult they are to score against and how they seem to get every game to be uh, presented in the way that they want it to be. Uh, Every game that they, they play in, it becomes a 60 or 50 point game. And some of that is the officials willingness to tolerate the way they defend. And, and I think part of the secret in that is that they are really good at not using their hands. When officials see you reach in for something like that, as we saw Poor Ryan Nemhart put his hand on the player's hip and got called for the the foul that ended Creighton's season. Uh, if you can if you can move players without using your hands, the refs are often going to allow it to uh, allow you to be more physical, and that's what's happened with the Aztecs.
0: Yeah, you're right. You know, we get a chance to see San Diego State here uh, quite often. You know, being from the Mountain West Conference, uh, I think what people forget, Mike, is that going back to 2020. Uh, and we didn't have a tournament because of the pandemic. This team very easily could have been a number one seed that year. And I know that they felt like, wow, we got this, you know, season taken away because if you remember, I mean, that team was. Was tall. They had length. Uh, they had scoring. They had everything, and they were having a phenomenal year. And they legitimately could have been a number one overall seed. So this shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Just a few years later, that this program with Brian Dutcher, started by Steve Fisher, is 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 here where they are right now. And they haven't had the toughest path, but man, uh, th- this team is has been good for a long, long time.
1: You know, I think the difference between that team and this team, though, is Malachi Flynn. They had a legit pro. Yes. He was an All-American. Uh, he was he was not a—I don't think he was taking the first round, but he's still in the league now and, uh, and still doing well. Uh, so I think that's the difference, that this team doesn't have that level of talent. But I do think it's compelling, uh, very interesting, that when that tournament didn't happen in 2020— and they they probably were not going to be a one seed cuz they'd lost that buzzer beater to Utah State uh in the Mountain West right. Championship game there yep. in Vegas. Uh they'd probably lost their one seed that night, but they still were going to be definitely a 2 and have a legit shot to make it to Atlanta that year. And then it I, I think when Dayton what which was going to be on the one line, uh, if they didn't falter in their conference tournament, uh, there was a feeling about Dayton that that was like a once-in-a-generation team for them, that they missed that window and they would, might never get there again. And I don't know, we had that conversation about San Diego State, but there had to be a feeling among Aztecs fans. Boy, are we ever going to get that chance again? When well, We had All-American point guard, a terrific player, a pro. We had size and length and youth and and are we ever going to get that chance again? And here they are. It's really cool. Three years later, a lot of, a lot of things happened because of that, that season going away, that tournament going away that wouldn't have happened to coaches and teams and players if they'd been able to play in March. Uh, but this is one that's kind of being restored. And I'm really happy about that. All
0: right, Yukon uh, Miami, Mike, who do you like and why? Yeah, I, I,
1: I like UConn for the whole thing. They're the, because they're the one team that's here that looks like an NCAA champion. Right. If you go back over the last 35 years, every single team had a first round pick. Every single one, uh, go, dating back to 1987. Well, 1987 was the last time we didn't have that. And all we had that year was Steve Alford and Bob Knight. <laughs> Steve's been one of the 30 greatest players in the history of college basketball. Bob might be the best coach ever, technically anyway, uh, from a X and O standpoint. Uh, and then you have, uh, th- 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 then you have the fact that, uh, they have size in the middle. That's a prerequisite most years. You don't get small teams winning it like Miami, although it's hard to call Norchetto mere small. Mm-hmm. He's, he is only six, seven. You don't haven't seen that since 79. Uh, and then you have the offensive and defensive efficiency that we were talking about before with Ken Palm. Uh, and you, you if other than UConn in 2014, every single team that's won the championship has been top 20 in offensive and defense of efficiency over a full season. Every single one. So uh, they're the only ones that fit any of those. All, and they certainly fit all of them. Yep. Uh, so that's that's who should win this thing, but it's not going to be easy. <laughs>
0: Especially with uh, Miami's guard play, uh, those guys are fantastic. Uh, you know, with Wong and company, those uh, it, it, it's it is compelling. And I think a lot of people, and we've get we've seen this before, as you well know, that sometimes you know you get the second semifinal of the night. You know, people are thinking, well, that should be the championship game. And you know, I think that's what we're going to be thinking on Saturday night as well too. We'd like to see these two teams maybe meet in the final.
1: I'll be honest with you. I think that if San Diego State played Miami, I think they'd win. I don't know if that's Maybe they will. If they did, I think I'd pick SD State. I like that team a lot. I know the difference between the Aztecs and everybody else who's played Miami to this point is that, one, they can guard Miami to an extent. And, two, they won't relent in the way that Texas did down the stretch. Texas forgot. Down the, the final ten minutes, you can score on Miami. Um, you know, grab a ball. We can go score on Miami. <laughs> that, that's that's the way it is. I mean, they're hundred and fifth, I think, in defense, yeah. and they and they Kenpom. did and you. they and they did it for about thirty five minutes too. You know? but as the game tightened, yeah. Yeah. then all of a sudden they started to think it, and that was where the problem was. They forgot. Just keep doing what we're doing. We're going to get buckets, and if they make some, that's okay because we're up ten, and it won't, you know. But they forgot that they for they for they let the pressure of the game get to them, and they forgot that you can score on these guys, and that's what that's what the difference was. I don't think I don't think the Aztecs would forget their, their you know their advantage yeah. at that end, and I don't think they'll ever relent on defense yeah they know
0: what their identity is uh mike de great job the sporting news go check out his stuff at uh, sportingnews.com uh, mike appreciate the time as always looking forward to seeing you in houston my friend so hopefully uh,
1: i'll look forward to it we'll definitely you catch bet. up
0: thanks buddy appreciate Take it care. all right there he is mike de all right we come back timmy b tim brando Oh yes, he's got March Madness just written all over his face. Chuck Esposito is gonna join us next hour as well, too, from the sportsbook side. Wild Wednesday edition, final four style.